Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You and I can trust in God. What are you worried about? There's plenty of things to worry about. I get it. I understand. But I would encourage you to submit those things to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares onto Him because He cares about you. Take those worries. Take those concerns. Take that anxiety. Take whatever that stuff is and just lay it at His feet. Lay it at His feet and then slowly back away. Does it sometimes feel like you have the weight of the world resting on your shoulders? Maybe it's the responsibility that you carry at work, or your family at home, or maybe a major financial pressure that you can feel just bearing down on you. Well, in today's message, Pastor James shares with us about Daniel the prophet and how he was able to stand up under an immense amount of pressure, about how he stood for God against all opposition, and how God gave him the strength he needed. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. In Daniel's journey this little journey that God has him on, the first enemy he's going to encounter here beyond like getting, you know, stolen from his family and from his land, the first enemy he would encounter would be that of conformity and compromise. I mean, from chapter one, we'll see that as he, you know, the riches of Babylon are presented to him to indulge himself in. And there's a few different things, three different things that him and some of the other guys could have chosen to do, considering the circumstances and the fact that, well, they all knew. We assume that they knew that, you know, God had been warning us and there were prophets telling us that this is going to happen and now it has happened. He could have gone this route when presented with all the um, riches that Babylon had to offer to him or to present themselves to him. He could have said, well, man, why should I honor God when he's got me in this position? I'm here in Babylon. Why should I honor him? I've been following him, and this is where it's gotten me, right? He could have gone that route. He could have been uh, bitter towards God for his current circumstances and situations, and then he could have chose, no, I'm going to compromise. I'm going to indulge myself. I'm going to turn my back on God, because if he's a God who is sovereign, why am I here right now? He could have gone that route. Probably many of us have gone that route at times, but he didn't. The other thing he could have done was say, well, I'm here and uh, there's all these pagan gods. Maybe these gods are stronger than my God because I think I serve the one true God, but even in that, I'm, now I'm here. So maybe these guys have the answers. Maybe I can find truth and maybe, they're, maybe they are more powerful than the one true God. Because I grew up in Israel and you know, I didn't get this worldly experience and now I go out into the world and, and you know, encounter this worldly stuff and learn about the, all these other religions and maybe they, have, maybe they have the truth. 
He could have gone that way, but he didn't. He didn't go that way because he knew he had this conviction that the God of Israel is the one true God. We see that all the time as a youth pastor for so long. You see these stories unfold before you. The kids grow up in the church, and then they go out, and then they go out to like university and all this good stuff, right? And then they get exposed to all these other things. This, their worldview becomes bigger, right? It becomes bigger. And then other people are like, oh, no, no, no. But have you considered this? Have you looked into this belief system or this truth over here? Because I don't know if you know this, but truth is, well, it's kind of relative, What may have been true for you growing up in that household, that oppressive Christian household, right? We hear that all the time. That's, yeah, fantastic. You know, that was forced upon you, but now you're in the world, and and now here's all these other avenues of truth, and there it is, and stand firm that the God of Israel is still the one true God. He's still the one true God. As somebody who had done his own investigating before I got saved, I I can tell you this. Whatever other truths they're trying to present out there, they are worthless. They are worthless. And I don't care. And you can even see that within that Christian Hasai video. I mean, he believed in karma. Karma's garbage. It doesn't do anything for you. If I be a good person, the good things will happen to me. Well, what happens when bad stuff starts happening to you? You flush that theory down the toilet, right? That's not how it works. Here's the thing. Bad stuff happens to good people all the time. Bad stuff happens to Christians. Christ-honoring, God-following Christians. Bad things happen to people all the time. Does that shake your faith? Does that cause you to doubt the one true God? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. If you don't believe that, I would encourage you to spend a little bit of time getting to know a man named Job who was blameless in God's eyes. The one guy on the planet who Satan himself stood before God and said, what about Job? (laughs) Like they're having this conversation. He's like, let me go after Job. He'll curse you. He'll turn his back on you. And God says, yeah, go for it. I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. And God's like, yeah, yeah, have at it. You just can't kill him. That's the parameter. Thanks, God. <laughs> That's the parameter. You just can't kill him. But yeah, have, go for it. Bad things happen to people. This is a tragic thing that happens to Daniel, but it didn't shake his faith. He stayed true to the one true God. Here's the other thing he could have done. This is similar to Joseph as well. Young man, now living in a faraway new country, new surroundings, all that good stuff. What happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. He could have adopted that mindset. Who's going to know? Who's going to know? All these other dudes are doing it. Who's going to know? I'll probably never go back to Israel. I'll probably never see my family again. So I can just abandon all the things that I know to be true and the things that I once was taught and raised with and all that stuff, and I'll just indulge myself into these things. Who's going to know? God knows. God knows. 
Joseph could have done the same thing. Joseph was even presented with many opportunities with Potiphar's wife, who was very aggressive. And Joseph could have indulged. He's a 17-year-old young man. I mean, come on, hormones are through the roof, right? He could have done whatever he wanted to. But he said no, because he's committed to God. Daniel, in Babylon, I mean, these delicacies that have been made available to him, we'll see once we get into chapter one. I mean, the food that they ate was not kosher. It wasn't going to be kosher. I mean, there's like bacon on the table, right? And these guys are like, what's that smell? It smells amazing. Well, it's bacon. We don't touch that. But some of that group were indulging in it. Daniel's like, no, I'm not going to compromise. I won't compromise. He's an admirable young man, a tremendous guy. And with all these excuses and opportunities to turn his back on God, he never did it. He never did it because his heart was set on following the Lord and honoring the Lord with anything and everything. And regardless of his circumstances, that's why we need to be like Daniel. We should strive to be like Daniel. You find yourself in difficult situations. Well, yes. I would highly encourage you to get familiar with the individual, read ahead. It's only 12 chapters, and the book reads incredibly fast. But get to know the individual, Daniel, and how he handled certain things. He prayed a lot. But here's the little breakdown I want to give to us. So how can we be like Daniel? This is where we start jumping around, okay? This is where you get kind of loosened up a little bit. So Matthew chapter 6, if you don't mind, turn in there. How can we be like Daniel? I just did three little things. Trust me, there's more than that, but I, and there's more scriptures I can share, but I just really want to hone in on three specific things. The first one is this. Step one in being like Daniel, you have to trust the Lord. It all starts there. You have to trust the Lord. So if you look in Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 24, because I think this is pretty apropos for Daniel's scenario and probably for ours as well. Jesus is telling everybody within the crowd, within the audience listening to him, he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, Jesus, he just throws it down. He's like, listen, you can only serve one God. The, your heart is not set up to be a divided heart. It's one throne within your heart and your soul. One throne, which means that only one person or thing can occupy space on that one throne. And it is either God or it's not. Because he, God, does not share the throne with anybody else. So Jesus is breaking it down very simply for them and for us. You can't serve two masters. It's actually impossible to serve two masters. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Or you love something else. It's that simple. It's that simple. It doesn't mean that you can't like have God on the throne of your heart and then you despise everything else. That's not what he's saying because the things that oftentimes take place on that throne or we dethrone God and place these other things on there can be good things. They can be good things. It could be family. 
It could be loved ones. They easily occupy the throne within our hearts. They do. And that's not bad per se, but they're not worthy of that throne. Only God is. And we say this all the time, but if you keep God number one within your life, I'm going to move away from God. If you keep Jesus number one in your life, because the day and age in which we live, if I say God, that can mean so many different things, okay? So that's why I'm saying that right now. If you keep Jesus number one in your life, you're going to be a better fill in the blank, whatever those things could be. Better father, better husband, better wife, better mom, better kid, you know, you name it. You keep Jesus number one, the other things will line up. And we think like, no, no, we mix it up to where it's like, no, 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 I got to put all my focus is on my family. That's not right. It's not right. It's actually damaging because you're setting yourself up for heartache and you're also setting your family up for disappointment as well. We will elevate them to a place of deity, so to speak. And that's not a responsibility they can shoulder. And ultimately, you'll be disappointed. You just will. Because your family, they're still people like you and me. And family and people, we disappoint each other at times. That's just how it goes sometimes. But there is one who who really never does disappoint, even though sometimes we think he does, but he doesn't. And that's Jesus. You keep him number one. You keep him number one, and then, man, the rest falls into place. So you can't serve two masters. Just devote yourself like Daniel did. He trusted in the Lord completely. He committed his heart to following the Lord. He gave himself totally, completely over to following the Lord. That's where you have to start with, that you trust him. The rest of this uh, portion of scripture that I want to read through, it just goes right on. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. We can see how that would apply to Daniel in Daniel chapter one, right? Gets stolen from home. And here, this is a truth that would apply to him. It applies to us today. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than some birds? Yeah. If you don't know the answer to that rhetorical question, the answer is yes. You are way more valuable than birds, okay? Birds are awesome. Birds are cool. But birds are not people. They're not, okay? God loves birds. God made birds. We don't have birds unless God created them, and he's going to feed them. The birds are his responsibility, and so are you. So he said, don't worry about this stuff. Which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to your life? You can't. You need as much as you want to worry and all that stuff. Why do you worry about clothing? Think of the flowers of the field, how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more? You people of little faith, poquito faith, little faith, right? He's like, trust the Lord, trust God. 
Don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the unconverted or the Gentiles pursue these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So then do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. First step in being like Daniel is trust in God. Trust him. Stolen from my home. Now I live in a pagan society. All these Gentiles all around me, they don't worship God. They don't eat like we eat. They don't dress how we dress. In fact, they're even changing my identity. They're giving me a new name. They're trying to indoctrinate us and reprogram us. That's what they were doing. Daniel wasn't going to waver within his faith because he trusted God. He trusted God. He was able to say no to some of the delicacies within Babylon and eat just like vegetables, which is okay. I like vegetables. Maybe not that much, but I like vegetables. And it wasn't about being a vegetarian. I hope you understand that that's not where that was going. It wasn't about that, but it was in his commitment to to God that he excelled even in eating vegetables, him and his buddies. And they came out looking like all the more better than everybody else who was like throwing down all the processed food, right? And Nebuchadnezzar is like, dude, what's wrong with you guys? And these guys look awesome. Well, we've been eating our veggies. Okay, there you go. But they trusted God. Even though it could have cost them their lives, they trusted in the Lord. And he came through for them. You and I can trust in God. What are you worried about? There's plenty of things to worry about. I get it. I understand. But I would encourage you to submit those things to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares onto him because he cares about you. Take those worries, take those concerns, take that anxiety, take whatever that stuff is and just lay it at his feet. Lay it at his feet and then slowly back away. Slowly back away. Tomorrow you probably have to do the same thing. But just get good at it. Just get consistent at it. It's never a one and done thing. Lord, here's all my cares. Here's all my concerns. Here's all my anxiety. Glad that's over. I'll spend the rest of my life never worrying again. That's not true. Because then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, they're back. How'd they get back on me? Like, who dropped these things back onto me? The picture within that verse is, and I think I've told you this before, but the word image that's used there is it's like a boulder, those cares, those concerns. It's like a boulder. And we roll those onto Jesus. And sometimes they roll back onto us, and then we roll them back onto Jesus. And the more you do that, the stronger you get, and the smaller that boulder gets. That's why he lets them roll back onto us sometimes. You going to give them back to me? It's like a weird game of catch, right? You're just like, what? I don't want them. I don't want them. Yeah, and then some weird ways we embrace them when they come back, right? I don't know what it is. People are interesting. It's this daily struggle for me as well. But you give them to him, give them to him, trust in the Lord. The second thing is we got to know his word. We have to know his word. Daniel, I think, excelled within Babylon so well because he knew the word of God. He knew the word of God. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and verse 17. This is a familiar verse. It says, every scripture, every verse, every scripture is inspired by God or is God-breathed, okay? And useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person, what, dedicated to God or devoted to God or fully committed to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. You got to know the word of God. You got to get into the word. And not just you getting into the word, but let the word take up residency within your heart and your minds. You got to know the word of God. There needs to be like somewhat of a list of promises within the word that you can just pull up from memorization. So when the storm clouds come in or when that big boulder rolls back on top of you, Indiana Jones style, like, and you're just like, this is too big, you got to be able to pull something out of your heart. You have to. We have to. Because if the day ever comes where they like confiscate all the Bibles, take all the Bibles and burn them all, how much scripture do you have stored away within your heart? What if they come through and lock up all the Christians, throw you in a jail cell, and you don't have access to a Bible? What are you going to do? How much of this treasure have you stored up within your heart? And this is why we should be, I'm not saying this stuff's going to happen, but it's a really good incentive for us to start memorizing scripture. Store it up within your heart. I mean, there's a reason, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the videos of when Bible smugglers smuggle Bibles into countries where they're not allowed. And I mean, these people are like, if they can even just get a page from the Bible, they take that. What do they do with that? They memorize that entire page of the Bible, because they got to take that and store it up within their heart, because they know that they can't hold on to that page, because that'll get them in a lot of trouble. But I may not have it physically, but you better believe it's in here. And those individuals, man, they, they find such peace. In the midst of turbulence, they find an abundance of peace because of what they've stored up within their hearts. We have to study the word. There's a reason why there's women's Bible study. There's a reason why there's men's Bible studies. There's a reason why, I mean, we are so blessed within America. I mean, I'm looking at an iPad right now, and I have hundreds of Bible translations on my iPad right now. You may have noticed I'm not teaching out of the New Living Translation. I'm going out of the New English Translation tonight because I like that one, right? I do. I love the New Living Translation too. They're both good translations, all right? I get it. They're different spectrums. That's fine. But I can pull up any translation I want right now off this iPad. We are so blessed. So blessed. Store it up in here, though. Because they can take it all. But they can't take this. They can't take what you have stored up. Nobody can steal that from you. Look at um, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This is a, the, obviously the biggest psalm in the book of Psalms. And look at verse 9. We're just going to read through this little portion here. Concerning the word of God. 
and us knowing it in the power of the Word of God. It says, how can a young person maintain a pure life? By guarding it according to your instructions. And please understand that when it says your instructions, it means His Word. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through the book of Daniel, helping us understand all of the fascinating things in this book. Imagine a king being debased to eating grass like a cow and looking like a complete barbarian. It sounds like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. There were many lessons for King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, and God used Daniel to speak truth to this king of Babylon. Don't you see that no matter what location you're placed in, God can use it for good, for people to turn their hearts towards Him. We hope that your heart is also turned towards God today. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Bread for the Broken. If there's any way that this ministry has impacted you, would you mind sharing that with us? You can get in touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. We'd be so happy to meet you in person too. So if you're in the Galveston area, join us this Sunday or Wednesday for worship and Bible study here at Calvary Galveston. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website, breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue reading on your own in the book of Daniel, as you'll discover so many things that God wants to teach you from Daniel's example. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off and keep covering passages in this Old Testament book right here on Bread for the Broken.